Our reading this evening is taken from 1 John. It's uh, chapter 1, verses 1 to 9, and you can page it up, find it on page 1063 in the Church Bibles. So it's John 1 on page 1063. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. This is the word of the Lord. Good evening, everyone. It's lovely to be back with you. I have said to several people that whilst being on holiday, it was a joy to discover when I got back that I had missed you. And it occurred to me as I thought that in my head, it would have been awkward if I hadn't. But it is great to be here with you to start the evening service again and afresh. Uh, we're going to be at John's Gospel, uh, Walking in the Light. Uh, John's Gospel is an account of Jesus' life. It's filled with rich and wonderful theology. We're going to go slowly. We're going to savour. We're going to enjoy. Because my prayer is in this series that our hearts would be warmed to Jesus. That um, this might maybe even change the way that we, uh, we, we, tell, we give people our testimonies. You know, do, when you give your testimony, does it... There are a couple of different kinds of testimonies. You know, sometimes people tell you about Jesus. And you think, yes, I want that person, I want Jesus. And sometimes you hear it and it's filled with propositional truth and it's correct. But at the end of it, you sort of think, yeah, but I, I'm not really. And it, the point of John's Gospel is that we might believe and have life. We're going to get to that in a minute. But that we would see how wonderful Jesus is. That's my prayer. And so that when we tell people why it is that we're Christians, my prayer is this will fuel that testimony and refresh it. So that when people hear it, the Spirit would put on their heart, gosh, Jesus is brilliant, I want him. Should we pray for that? Holy Spirit, we thank you, Lord, that you are here with us. With your precious word, Lord, you are able to illuminate and give us light to see how wonderful you are. And we pray, Lord, that you would do that in my weakness and in our weakness in listening with your perfect word. Help us, Lord, be warmed and fanned into flame. Uh, what you've given us already of you, I pray you give us much more. Uh, blow our minds and our hearts, Lord, I pray, that we might be a blessing. Uh, we might know that blessing in our lives, but also to many around us as well. Amen. Amen. Okay, so I thought we'd start, um, like all good Bible talks, with a bit of Pictionary. Um, so here we go, over here. I should have worn the other microphone, I'm sorry. Uh, have you figured out what it is yet? You probably shouldn't ever use that quote or that person. <laughs> okay, so what have we got there? Great. Yeah? Gingerbread man. 
Right, it's a gingerbread man. Great, what I look like after holidays. No, okay, look, I thought it would be good to start with a little bit of a review of what's going on in your lives that you are worried about. Okay, so uh, what have we got going on? So first of all, I've definitely, I've got, I've got, um, I've got Jesus in there, obviously, he's going on. Um, what else have you got going on? Maybe you're worried about your marriage, just put that in there if you are married. Oh, sometimes I worry about that, it's marriage. Has anyone else got something that's going on in their life? Anything you like, shout it out. School. What do I put for schools? A book, maybe? This pen is dying on me. I think that's before we start. Okay, here comes a book. I'm going to do something like that. That's not School, great. Something else? Work. Can I just put W on there for work? Thanks so much for that. Great. Anything else? Money. Excellent. Um, can I just go? I'm just going to go for... A, not a very good pound sign there. This pig is going on as well. Come on. Lord Jesus, please. Anything else? Sickness. Sickness. What do I draw for that? Can I do pain? Because my, my one is back pain, and I have this sort of lightning thing every now and then where the pain hurts. But can we just say that's sickness as well? I can't think what else to do for sickness. Um, tablets. Okay. There's some... That's... Two magic beads. That helps. Anything else? Change. Okay, well, absolutely my concept. Let's go from this A to B. Excellent. All right. Yeah, anything else? Did you say family? Someone said family. Yeah, great. I like family. Uh, we're going to reduce, we're going to go to stick people here. A variety of different sizes and ages, with maybe I'll chuck in some hair as well. Right, that's family. We all know that, right? Yeah. Um, anything else that you're that you've got? Getting healthier. Getting. It's not necessarily sick, but what's Yeah, great. Can I, can we lump that in there? Great. So things wanting your health in there. Okay, great. Um, what about? Uh, I like the way none of you have said your sin. That's great because it means you're all trusting in Jesus to have dealt with your sin in your mess. But I still worry about what's coming. I know what I did this week. What might I do this week, next week? I'm just going to put a sort of a bit of a mess there because that's sort of what my... It's a bit smelly. It's a fly. Okay, it's my sin. Uh, and has anyone else got anything else on there that's coming up? Old age and dying. Old age and That's a good one as well. I'll put that on there as well. Can I put the world on there? I worry about the world. You just get your phone out and worry about the world. Um, obviously, you need to draw Great Britain at the centre of everything, don't you? <laughs> and then a tiny Europe and a very small United States. Quite a big South America, babe. And a massive Africa. That's not a good Africa. Please forgive me for not being a good Africa there. Okay, and the world as well. Okay, there's lots of things on there. Okay. Oh, I've lost the lid. I don't know where that's gone. Listen, my life, with the bits around the outside like this, um, and what, what happens here is, I think, is that Jesus is pretty small, I think, as I think about the life coming up. Jesus is pretty small. Uh, and that's what everything militates against, doesn't it? So I think my pain makes Jesus small often. Uh, I think my worries about the world make Jesus small. I think sometimes just the Bible seems to make Jesus small. You know, he, he comes as a little baby. There he is, dying on the cross as a kind of helpless 
person. It sort of feels small, doesn't it? Um, sometimes the, the culture at church can make him feel small. He's like he's a sort of mate. He's your he's your, he's your friend, uh, which sort of diminishes him to being sort of similar to some you know like a family member or something. Um, and then you know, of course, our culture is constantly hammering Jesus, isn't there? Aren't they? And that makes him feel small too, or nervous about making him. And so that shrinks him down as well. And so when we when I do this sort of exercise on my thought, I feel. Often, it's not really surprising. Jesus feels a bit inadequate or, or not kind of near or kind of weak or maybe a bit distant. It's kind of how we think about life, isn't it, on the board there? Uh, and what's, what's God got to say about that here? Well, I think it's just a very simple truth in these opening uh, sort of little prologue of John's Gospel and the start of John's Gospel. And the aim here is to blow our minds and to make us go, wow. The point, I think, is simple. Jesus is God. The aim is that we would believe and that we would have life. It's supposed to make us wonder at Jesus. So why do you want to listen to this? Because it's the word of God, but also just to discover afresh light and life and to see Jesus. Because it's very easy for him to end up feeling quite small Inadequate. Should we have a look? Verses 1 to 5. We're going to start with that. Jesus is God. I think that's what we got here in the prologue to the action. We're let in on the secret at the beginning. So as we read the gospel, we're constantly thinking, yeah, but Jesus is God, isn't he? Yeah? So this is, not, this is our privileged information as the reader. We start with, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Isn't that a lovely sort of symmetry? Can you hear that? It's really nice. It's meant to sound nice and draw us attention to the bit of God in the middle there. This word. Who is the word? Look down with me at verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. And then we meet him across in verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, look, there's the Lamb of God. He takes, the, takes away the sins of the world. The word here is referring to Jesus. It's like a weird superhero name. It is a bit odd, but I think the point of the word here in this context, the context of light, did you notice how many times that popped up? Um, he is uh, in him, uh, where are we, verse 3, Verse 4, he's the light of all mankind, the light shines in the darkness. And then also in the context of this witnessing, verse 6 and 7, there's a man who comes and his job is to witness, verse 7, and to testify to this light uh, so that all might believe, they might know him and believe in him. He's not the light, he came as a witness to the light, the true light that comes, that gives light to everyone coming into the world. So I think in the context of the witnessing and the light and the aim that we would believe, I think this title of the word I'd go for is talk about just the revelation of who this person is, the revelation of God. You want to know God, you look at Jesus. He's the final word on what God is like because he is God. And so we've got hints at the Trinity in here, haven't we? God the Father The creator is accompanied by God the Son, the Word, in the creative act. But now he's coming to earth so that we might know him, we might meet him, we might see him, so that we would believe in him and also have life. That's John the Baptist's aim in verse 6. Did you see that? And verse 7, so that through him all might believe. 
It's the aim of John's gospel. You can have a look at chapter 20, verse 31, which says, these things in John's gospel are written so that you and I may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So we're talking about Jesus as a supreme revelation of God. You want to know what God's like, you look at Jesus. And that's what we're going to get all the way through in John's gospel. But we find out a bit about him here, and it's wow. What does Jesus as God reveal about who he is here? Well, it starts with in the beginning, exactly the same as the beginning of, uh, of um, uh, Genesis. It's meant to be a kind of wow moment. Hang on a minute, what are we talking about? We're talking about a whole new beginning. But in the beginning means that Jesus, he's there in the beginning. It means he predates time. If you got in your time machine and you went back in time and then you went back in time again and you just kept going back in time, every time you got out, Jesus is there. There's never not a time when Jesus wasn't there because Jesus is God. You know, it's, he created time. He, he organized time around him as God. Which is kind of ironic, isn't it? Because I don't know about you, but I tend to organise Jesus around my time. I, I don't organise my... But my time, what, if, what even is that? In the beginning, when it was created, before time, Jesus was there being God. All the time is his. It's not mine. He organised all of time. Do you see that? He's incredible. With, uh, then we've got, um, uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Absolutely explicit. Here is someone who is God, who is with God in this extraordinary way. We've got one God in several persons, three to be precise. He's uncreated. He's infinite. He is not like human beings. You know, and that makes us just think, doesn't it? When you look at the baby in the manger or the man dying on the cross, you've got to see it differently. You've got to see, when we read this in John's Gospel later on, you've got to come back to this and think, hang on, that baby in the manger, that's God. The uncreated, unimprovable, infinite, perfect God in a manger. And that makes you go, wow. Or the same when he dies on the cross. There's the creator, the source of all life, going through death for me. And hence why this starts with, in the beginning... This is a gospel of an era beginning, a new age beginning kind of good news. It's, it's a sort of reset on all of history. And that's why Christians organized all their dates around the arrival of Jesus. You have before Christ, and then you have Anno Domini, the, the year of our Lord. So if you live in 200 BC, Jesus is still there, obviously, because he's God. But then when he came... He brought this good news, this astounding good news that here is God come to meet us. And so that becomes the, the year of our Lord, A.D. What else do we see about Jesus here, that he's God? Verse 3, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. No Jesus, no creation. Reality itself is held together by Jesus. He is that reality. Everything we see before us and we touch and we taste, everything, every breath we take, is because Jesus holds it into, calls it into existence and holds it there. The end of the world will not be atomic wars 
or pestilence or whatever it is, the end of the world will be when Jesus stops holding it all together. He may use those things to do that, but I know for certain that if all things were created uh, with him and for, uh, all, what does it say, through him all things were made, nothing was made that has been made. Jesus holds us over oblivion and uncreation. Jesus, uh, whether you're Jesus' lover or whether you, you're not sure about Jesus or you hate Jesus, it's because of him that we're alive. He's the creator. That means there's no one bigger. There's no one more powerful than Jesus. With my kids, we play a game. Jesus is bigger than. What is Jesus bigger than? You've got to think of the bigger thing. Can you think of a big thing? You see, you guys need to play this game. <laughs> because the reason why it's great is you say, Jesus is bigger than the building. Jesus is bigger than my school. Jesus is bigger than my worry about school. Jesus is bigger than grandfather's operation that he's got to have because I want them to know that there is nothing that will overcome Jesus. It's not even a struggle. Jesus is bigger than Satan. Jesus is bigger than my sin. Jesus is bigger than. I want to play that in my own head. I wish I prayed my problems away more. If Jesus is that big, why do I always try to solve them in my own strength when I've got this person I can pray to and say, well, you're the creator, you sorted everything, you hold everything into being. Why don't I pray to you first? Because you're bigger than everything. You are the creator, you're God. What is it saying in verse 4? In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Uh, Jesus is life. Because he's the creator, he's the source of all life. Without him, there is no life. With him, there's life in abundance. And as his children, there must be very, very good quality and quantity of life, right? You know, we say, don't we, of people, perhaps you were at a party on Saturday night and you might say, oh, that person, they have the life and the soul of the party. Well, imagine Jesus being there. He is the light and he is the life. And that makes sense, doesn't it, if he's creator? Without him, there can be no life. And that is why he is so central to our lives and to the lives of those who don't know him. All else, by contrast, is not light and life, it is darkness and death. The light of mankind is not mankind. The light of mankind is this word is coming into the world. Any political movement that relies on mankind, any religious movement that relies on men and women doing things, any social action that depends upon mankind, so I don't mean social action, I mean any social contract or, or culture that depends on mankind is doomed to fail because it is not the light and life of mankind. And that's why over thousands and thousands of years, all the various political movements and cultures and religions have come and gone because they're not light and life. They are darkness and they are death. There is one place. I am not light and life. You are not. Jesus is. Jesus is God. What we're getting in these opening verses is that Jesus is just too big, he's too brilliant, he's too perfect for us to fully appreciate. We'll never get to the end of appreciating how wonderful he is. That's what happens in Revelation. It's a picture of all God's people gathered together, worshipping the Lamb on the throne, and, and doing it forever. 
Because you never run out of reasons to go, Jesus, you are God and you are awesome. That is what we're looking forward to. And that is what we have access to now as Jesus brings that light into this world. We might see a bit of light from that throne room as we see the glory of God in Jesus and as we enjoy basking in his brilliance and his hugeness and his loving kindness for us as he goes to the cross in John's gospel for our sin. So what does this mean for us? Well, the aim here is, isn't it? I think it's the aim of the gospel itself, John's book, and also the aim of, uh, of the start here when John the Baptist turns up is that there'd be this witnessing and testifying so that all might believe and have this light and this life. Believe and have life. Look at this, see God, see Jesus being God, believe and have life. If you're not yet someone who follows Jesus, where will you find life and light? Where will you find this understanding of this wonderful person in God? And where will you find life that never ends? Come to Jesus, the Son of God, who loves you in your darkness and your mess, so much he would die for you. Who loves you in your darkness and your mess so much that they would die for you? That's the person we're going to meet here as we do John's Gospel. That's the person I want my non-Christian mates to meet, is the, the God, Jesus, who loves you so much in your mess and your darkness, he would die for you. Freely offered in a personal relationship. Who has proven that they are light and life by, by rising from the dead? Where are you going to find your light and life? Where are you going to find the light and life that is proven and tested by the fact that someone has risen from the dead? Where are you going to find the light and life that has proven that it's loving by dying on the cross and that it's powerful by beating death? Believe in Jesus being the Son of God. Pray and say, I'm sorry that I'm a mess and I've ignored you. I want to welcome your light and your life into my life that you are Jesus. Please help me to live for you and have that light and life. Listen, if you're younger here today, I think when I started out as a Christian, Jesus was kind of nice to have, a bit of an add-on. And there's certainly a Christian cultural movement where Jesus kind of, he'll sort your problems out. He's a cultural band-aid, a, 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 um, not counselling, pastoral band-aid. He's... Um, um, you know, just life will be better with Jesus. That is true. It's not the only reason that he's here, and there are hardships that come with knowing him. But I always thought of him as a bit of an add-on, as a nice-to-have, that he's here in my life plan, like this. But actually, if Jesus is God, then he's not here. He's here. Do you notice that that does something funny to all the things that you're worried about? It's a bit like, actually, they're all around him. They're all around the biggest, most loving, most wonderful person in the world. And say, so as I put him in the centre of my life, it means that Jesus is running all this stuff. He's looking out for it whether it's my sin by dying on the cross, whether it's helping me flourish spiritually in my, in my chronic pain and my worry about sickness in the future, whether it's the world giving me peace that actually he's in control, he can sort it, whether it's my family knowing that I can't do anything about my kids' bad behaviour really, 
Well, no, I can do about the bad behavior. But their hearts trusting Jesus, actually, he's got to do that. Or whatever it is. That's a brilliant thing, isn't it? When Jesus is big, the problems look a bit smaller. And they're in someone else's hands who is mighty to save. But Jesus is not an add-on. He's the center of our life. And so we organize time, his time, around, around him. That's what believing in him, being God, looks like. Do I believe that Jesus is God? If I do, he should look like that in my life. It shouldn't be me in the middle, it should be Jesus. So often the question with teenagers, is Jesus worth it? Should I follow him? Will it pay off for me? The assumption is I'm at the centre and Jesus is one of the many options or lifestyle choices. What can he do for me? But that's all the wrong way around. Jesus is the centre of everything. And amazingly, he's calling you to step into a light and life with him. He calls us to join him out of darkness and death. So we don't change Jesus to, to suit our life, but rather Jesus changes everything about our life and our reality as we join him. Uh, I'll leave you with a vision of Fanny Crosby, who was a poet who died at age 95 in 1915. Uh, many, many poems she wrote, and many, many hymns, some 8,000 songs, including To God Be the Glory, Blessed Assurance, uh, praise him, praise him, our favourite. Did you know that at six weeks she had a minor, when she was six weeks old, she had a minor eye inflammation and through the negligence of the doctor who was treating her, she was blinded. Far from angry, she was grateful for her blindness. Is that in here or is that out there? It's your ringtone, Jeremy. <laughs> Seriously, Jeremy, making us want ice cream like that. At six weeks, she was blinded by the negligence of this doctor. Uh, and far from angry, she was grateful for her blindness. And she said, I could not have written thousands of hymns if I had been hindered by the distractions of seeing all the interesting and beautiful objects that would have been presented to my notice. Would you exchange your eyes to see Jesus more clearly? Here is a woman who lives like she believes that Jesus is God, the center of everything, the most important, the most beautiful, the most lovely, the most precious person in the world and her eternity. And so she wrote, someday my earthly house will fall. I cannot tell how soon it will be, but this I know, my all in all has now a place in heaven for me. And I shall see him face to face and tell the story saved by grace. She's blinded so she could see more clearly Jesus' light and life and lead others to him. Isn't that wonderful? I pray that we would be like that, that we'd be a church family and at Hope and across our parish that are known for living like this. Where the amount of time that we talk with our friends about these things is this much and the amount of time we spend saying how wonderful our Lord and our God and our Saviour is, is this much. Where we'd be like Fanny Crosby, happy to give up anything, even our sight, just to be able to appreciate the wonder of this person being God that I'm unable to communicate from these first eight, nine verses of what we've done. Jesus is God. Believe and have life in him. Let's pray. 
Lord God, it is a wonderful and amazing thing beyond my comprehension. Uh, but Lord, by your spirit, Holy Spirit, you've allowed some of us here just a little sneak view of the wonderful light in your throne room. That is Jesus, our God, come to meet us. And Lord, I am sorry personally for the time, Lord, where I have treated you as an add-on. Lord, where I've been too busy. Or Lord, I've been too infatuated with the twinkly things of this world. Or Lord, where I just haven't appreciated your beauty and your wonder and your love and your care and your mighty power all exercised for me. I'm so underappreciative of that. And I pray, Lord, that you would bless us by your spirit with hearts that just bubble up and overflow with wonder and joy uh, at you. Lord, we praise you and we glorify you. Amen. So a question for you over coffee is, who do you know whose life clearly shows they believe in Jesus Christ being God and how? So if you've got someone like a Fanny Crosby, you think, do you know what, I love the way that person does that. They pray every single time something comes up which reminds me that Jesus is the one that's in control of everything. Yeah, so how, can you think of someone that you know that you can encourage other people with who really lives as though they believe Jesus is God?